have a TV that supports Duck Hunt. I, still I love own it. that you pulled up like Mario. I'm like, I've got a Mario Kart in Mario Super Mario 3. This game, this game means so much to me. Hey everybody and welcome to the Casually Hardcore Podcast, episode 55, a special episode. Chris and I, as a 2020 resolution, want to bring more podcasts talking about more things as they develop and as they break. And so today we have no guest and you'll be seeing this, uh, you know, scattered out throughout the year where it's just two of us coming at you with some topics, some information and more. So be sure to keep recommending guests to us. Uh, that is one of the things that we want to really keep up with the podcast. All in all, should be a really good year, and we thank you for tuning in. So let's talk about <laughs> the age of exclusives. Recently, recently, Microsoft's uh, head vice president, executive vice president of gaming, Phil Spencer, went on record throwing a little shade at... Uh, Is it shade? <laughs> well, we're going to discuss uh, at <laughs> Nintendo and PlayStation saying that they're out of alignment, okay. that... Uh, you know, what they are is they're kind of not not in a position for what he's talking about with competition against, and this is going to get people very upset, both Google and Amazon. So that's what today's show is going to be about. We've got some questions. We've got discussion topics. Apparently, Chris thinks everything's great and, and wonderful and death to Sony. That's what I'm reading from his expression right there. We all know Chris just hates. I'll definitely play devil's advocate here. So even when I agree with you, uh, we don't have a guest to throw in a third point of view, so I will, I will, I will for sure disagree with you on this. But, but just to kind of let's get hashtag off, cancel Chris tr just, trending yeah, on Twitter, let's, guys. Make a shirt, like let's <laughs> buy all the shirts. Uh, so uh, by the way, we have new merch coming. Out, what guys. plug? So looking, I, I'm looking forward to releasing that. Um, we're finalizing the designs here. So uh, Microsoft said that Sony and Nintendo aren't they're like real competitors. That's that's the gist of the statement. You can go through and pick the words out and all that. But Nintendo is a gaming company. It's what makes yeah. them unique in the space is they're the only gaming company really out there that makes their own hardware, has their own IP, and is exclusively centered on gaming. Sony is a hardware company that has entertainment divisions. They happen to have an involvement in movies and in games and all of that. But that's what they do. And their hardware is in competitors' products. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. So, like, that's where they make their money. They get a little piece of a lot of pies. But when you look at Microsoft, Amazon, and Google... What they have in common is that they're all really just in the business of businesses. They own tons and tons of things across so many platforms. You know, they have everything from software solutions to business to business type development products to, you know, when you look at things like Microsoft Office and all that. So saying that Microsoft is not really competing against Sony and Nintendo in some ways at like a grander scale has always been true. Like that's not news. And so I think people took it as shade and it's like, yeah, but like he's not wrong. Right. So one of the things that I found really interesting about this as we look at the industry as a whole, because you just brought up a really good point. Uh, Phil Spencer's gone on record, says that every time PlayStation sells a game or a console, they make money. 
Uh, They do that because they're in the the development of, you know, their visual studios, you know, they have licenses for that. They've got business relationships, Excel, Office, et cetera. For the longest time we've seen uh, the competition heat up in terms of, you know, cloud computing, uh, cloud services. Like, you know, right now this podcast's outline is on Google Docs. It's not on a Word document. So there's competition. You have, uh, I have a Samsung and an iPhone. Uh, I have, uh, we just, they, we just saw the historic announcement with Samsung teaming up with xCloud and Xbox just this morning or late last night, depending on where you live. So there's some real <laughs> interesting thoughts. The, the, the thing I want to get Chris's opinion on before we kind of also dive in, there's another company out there that was not mentioned that I also think is out of alignment and that's Apple. And Apple makes a, you know, billions of dollars in the gaming space. And whenever I, like I was uh, told yesterday that Nintendo would never work with a, uh, a foreign company, like as a statement. And I go, uh, they're on Apple products. Like that's, and that was a good move because they were selling nostalgia. They had the Wii U. It's like kids are playing mobile games. And when you look at the pure numbers of gamers uh, estimated at 2.5 to 3.5 billion, you know, so there's. We, we, we should qualify, like, what type of gaming audience are we talking about? The enthusiast gamer, which doesn't, that what Phil said is not going to resonate because it doesn't make sense. They're still going to buy a PlayStation 5, a PlayStation 6. And I think those products are still going to exist because there's going to be a market for them. You're going to want the latest and right. greatest technology to play the games the way you want. You, you know, ownership might be a concern. You still might want that physical disc. But the funny thing about the physical disc is, especially with GameStop, I bet you're going to be getting that from Amazon, <laughs> from their yeah. stores and more. So there's still all of those different interconnections. Apple, where Microsoft and where Amazon and where Google are concerned, um, they're fine with taking money, but they've never been a company that's really heavily divested in, uh, in gaming. And that's why the Apple Arcade is kind of this interesting, I guess, them dipping their toes into the water. But... The, I think the core reality is is that when you te- when you factor out core gamers, you and me, those probably watching this podcast, probably raging, you know, like you know, just upset because I want to be very clear. What well, let's estimate core gamers at five hundred million to be, you know, conservative, right? Uh, you got a couple, you got a hundred million to hundred ten million PlayStation Four sold, fifty or so Xboxes over 52 or, you know, going up easily to 60 switches, uh, you know, let's just estimate high on core gamers. That is nothing in comparison to the mobile into the cloud market and for the potential with the goal of reaching 7 billion gamers worldwide. Probably not like you or me, but if, if anybody here is listening and knows, I don't like mobile games. So how do we get that mobile gamer converted into something that is a, uh, hopefully a better experience and it's about removing roadblocks and it's about cloud computing. And the, every time we talk about cloud computing, anything that comes up literally is going to tie into, uh, we don't have the network bandwidth, the latent, you know, latency, That's things such like a that. silly reason to worry about it, right? That would be like not designing better cars because we don't yet have the highways. Like the infrastructure is not, we don't need to wait for the use like we, we they don't need to be tied you can have the demand for the use can help drive the infrastructure um and the infrastructure of the internet is is such a, a large thing like i don't think people realize 
how big of an undertaking it's really easy to hate isps but like what internet is and like how internet functions like what happens when it goes from your house and people are like oh well there's like a line that goes to my house that's above ground or underground and it goes to like a box but then what like are you aware that there's basically like big super highways like one of the big fiber connections the big like corridor in dallas runs right up 75 so people are like wow 75 is a highway is never maintained well and it's like there's a lot of stuff under it so i guarantee there's work it's just not being done straight to the highway and then like where does it go from there like how do i get something to europe and then how do we talk about caching things so that you're not having to request a video from europe every time you see it because everybody in the us is watching it like the internet is a very complex network and so to say like oh well it's not good enough so we shouldn't build a better use for it that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. Now, there might be a lack of commercial viability out, out the gate, right? Like you may only have a percentage of gamers that can take part in a certain type of, of cloud gaming. Right. Um, but isn't that just a function of time? Because it's just time. Right. Straight so up. like, you know, um, I would say, and in my in my mind estimates, I look at where where are we at in 2030? Because 10 years is a, is a nice, easy, measurable chunk of time that should happen and hopefully all of our lifetimes who are watching this, that we'll all be alive in 10 years and we're going to see something. Not Do that you, it's going to be, not that I'm uh, saying that it's the only way, like that consoles are going away. We will see more physical hardware because there will be a demand. Like the example yes. I gave was my Xbox and PlayStation 5 will be sitting on my television, which is capable of 120 frames a second, eight, you know, it's a 4K, but it's like, it, that's going to be that experience that the console's going to drive because I'm, you know, like while I have the bandwidth, I want the premier pristine experience. When I boot up my console, it's fast, it's immediate. Uh, and that's where it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, cloud platforms compete in that high fidelity, like that Lamborghini style experience. But there, that's going to cost a premium to my wallet to have that experience, I think in 10 years, where uh, when we look at cloud gaming, that basically raises the tide for everybody, allows what's the cost to get in and play that game that everybody's talking about? Nothing, you just go pay the cost right. of the game and you can go play that game today on any device, anywhere in your house. So back to my example, I'm gonna like from a content creation perspective, as soon as xCloud runs in a browser, I, you know, what reason would I need to have my Xbox sitting next to my computer? Because I'm in a, in a position because here in the DFW area, I've got gig internet. I have no data caps. There is nothing. And, and my cloud experience is pristine, no latency. And that's the, that's the key. Like when it comes to whether it's a 3d movie, which I'm not a fan of, whether it's a new kind of experience that you just can't communicate virtual reality is a, is a classic example it's something that once you go hands-on and you're like, I'm playing the game, it's like the console is right here in my living room, but it's you know, but it's somewhere in a data center. You you know, once you have that experience, it it kind of clicks. You're like, I get it now. Now the the whole technical revolution of it is is that at some point that means they could charge more for consoles, and that means gaming overall will get better because there isn't they don't have to make a console that's mainstream. They don't have to make a physical device right. that says well, we have to hit this price point. So that means we can't put all this cool tech into it. We can't put the best graphics card in it, the best processor in it, because it won't sell. Because we know right now from his, you know, just historic, don't charge $600 because that that is such a weird barrier to people. And that's where the next generation, the fact that Maybe PlayStation the, 5 has- you think has, the $1,000 phone will change that? I think we'll see $1,000 consoles, but I don't think that's- I mean, 
now I don't that think that's now. kind of getting over. That. I mean, the question with 2030, like when we talk about in internet infrastructures, are we still going to be relying on things like physical cables dragged underneath the, the ocean? Like the fact that internet still runs that way sounds crazy. People picture it like going to a satellite and back like they that's not that's not how the internet works. Yeah, there's cables under the ocean. A, there's physical cable and they're owned by big players. So yes, some of them are owned by ISPs, but some of them are owned by data companies because that's really the value of owning them. So places like Facebook have a, a, sh have a sharehold place in cables underneath mm -hmm. the internet because they yeah. want to have a part in knowing how that data crosses under there. From an investment perspective, it's also interesting that Facebook wasn't listed. You know, I, I don't see them investing heavily in gaming, but what you've seen them do, because when you look at Mixer, when you look at Twitch and you look at, you know, uh, YouTube, which is the platform that we're primarily on, I mean, that's tied to Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, YouTube in this yep. case. Uh, Facebook is trying to do something with Facebook gaming. And if anybody's tried out Streamlabs OBS, there's this thing saying multi-stream to Facebook. You know that that's being paid because Facebook as an aging platform has an aging demographic and they're trying to draw in and attract a younger, vibrant, passionate audience. And one of the things that is the, the coolest thing about anything that Phil Spencer said right now literally is that gaming is a very important thing to Microsoft, to Amazon and to YouTube and to Google. And it's that because it, it gets you in their ecosystem. It gets you in that system. And then, so the counter argument with all this, right? Because that's the technology, that's the cloud. Uh, it's just a function of time. And more, the more the internet improves and people can try it out, uh, you'll, you'll slowly start to see a shift because it is the lowest barrier for entry into playing your games. So, Sony and Nintendo. That's the crux of the comment. Having some, I would say, arguably the strongest IP uh, when it comes to recognizable video game, you know, what is a video game, right? Like, oh, go play your PlayStation. That used to be Nintendo heavily, but Nintendo still has the best IP in the market, hands down, most valuable, most recognizable, most iconic. Out of all of this, we've already seen Sony and Microsoft team up. Sony said, "There's, we're not going to go spend billions and billions of dollars and try to figure this cloud thing out. Let's team up with Microsoft. That's a done deal. And they're good at this stuff, right? Like yeah. Blu-ray technology in an Xbox is Sony technology. Right, but it's is not a... owned by Sony. And so any device, so they're very good at making sure that they don't just get cut out later. Mm -hmm. So I think people's fear is like, oh, they're going to get on there and then Phil Spencer is going to just pull the plug and Sony's going to be screwed. That, Sony has never shown that they, they don't have the business sense to, to protect themselves. <clears throat> no, Microsoft, well, and here's the thing. If Microsoft does that, Amazon and Google are <laughs> right. right there to pick them up at right. a, at a, at a, at a mint, you know? And so that's why somebody was asking me yesterday, like, why am I defending Stadia? And I'm like, I'm not defending Stadia. I'm one of its harshest critics. I'm defending <sighs> yeah. gamers. Like at, at the core of it, I want a strong, I want strong companies that are competing against one another because that means the gamer is going to win. If there's a strong Stadia, strong X Cloud, strong Amazon, hell, strong PlayStation Now, PlayStation, strong Nintendo, what does that do? It gives gamers choice. 
It, it, it lowers costs. It makes sure that Microsoft doesn't go all like Dr. Evil or, uh, you know, whatever, who, like, I forget who owns Amazon. His name is recognizable. Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Bezos doesn't go evil villain launching rockets into space, you know. Uh, and then, you know, I'm going to block it. He is, but I'm saying like where he's going to block out the sun, <laughs> you know. And, and so with all that, it's that if anybody's worried that Microsoft's going to pull the rug out of a PlayStation, you've got Google and you've got Amazon stepping up to chomp on the bit. Just yesterday, Activision pulled their games from GeForce Now. So GeForce Now is another you know cloud streaming platform where you own the games, you play them on a server in the cloud. So speculation is they're going they the Amazon uh, Activision Blizzard signed a, a big deal for uh, YouTube. Speculation is they they're they're doing it for for Amazon or for uh, Stadia, some kind of exclusive deal. That's all speculation at this point. Yeah, because so, we, so there the thing are I'll rules. remind people with Google yeah. is that Google's a very, 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 very large company, like thousands and thousands of, of employees, thousands and thousands of like white collar employees. The, the jobs that there's typically less of in an organization, they're still huge, even by those terms. Mm-hmm. They and they own businesses that function totally separately from each other. They have a hardware division. They have software divisions. They have so like <clears throat> when people talk about the Activision Google deal, they say, "Well, it's so interesting that Stadia got cut out." It's possible Stadia wasn't in the room. Yeah, it's possible that it didn't get declined or not declined. They simply weren't at that lunch altogether, because the people at that lunch, if you think about that business meeting, what brought those minds together is you have the two largest search engine and like cloud-based data groups from Google, Google and YouTube meeting up with Activision and saying, we want your data. Yeah. So that was a data-driven transaction. (laughs) They said, we want to pay for exclusive rights to your data and to the user's data that will come seek out your information. That's it. That's what they did. It had nothing to do with games on Stadia, had nothing to do with any of that, it, yeah, YouTube so like, Gaming I don't know and Stadia it, are also two different companies within the big, you know, within the organization. So it's yeah. what can make it look like blunders. It's what can make like, well, how come Stadia is not integrating with YouTube? Well, yes, I mean, both their paychecks are underneath the same stock header, but like they, <laughs> they don't, they don't answer to each other. Yeah. They're not in the same building you know, eating in the same cafeteria. <laughs> They're two completely different entities. That's that's something in my mind. I'm wondering if Google steps in and kind of or restructures some of their their goals, right? Because having Stadia and having YouTube gaming kind of being separate and maybe even butting heads, like at some point you got to step in and be like, no, we're integrating because that's what we said we are. Get over your, you know, get over your silos. It's natural. This isn't something that would be unique to it's Google. A, it's a yeah. business thing. People create their silos. They're like, this is my piece of the cheese. Don't you dare move it. <laughs> like, I know where it's at. I'm comfortable here. Uh, and so on. Now, So what makes that interesting as we move into our main topic is as we start to talk about things like Stadia and and even things like Twitch and Mixer. So we can start with Twitch and Mixer because that's the easiest example of where we've seen this. But like it, it's it's taking place on the, the gaming side of the conversation is exclusives, right? right? Paying for Ninja to come over. What does that buy? And uh, effectively what it buys is competition, mm-hmm. right? It, it validated Mixer as a platform. It doesn't matter if the numbers are up or the numbers are down. The fact is you now know what Mixer is. Mm-hmm. That's what they purchased. Yeah. Um, and then they, they've been purchasing more and more deals bringing more, making it more advantageous 
uh, for content creators to come into that that ecosystem. And that's good. That's good for Twitch streamers. That's good for Mixer streamers. And the more that they can even those odds and, and give you a choice in the content in which that you want to go consume, as yep. well as the content that you want to go and produce, that they, that prevents this one place from, you know, just saying, we own everything. <laughs> right. Viewers have been declining on Mixer since their whole media tour there. Mm -hmm. um, and But <clears throat> number of creators has been on the rise. So like, if the goal was to purchase validity as a platform and the people they were trying to convince was creators, then they've succeeded. And as consumers, whether or not you have ever created a Mixer account, whether or not you've ever typed Mixer into the search bar of your browser, Twitch is a better platform for it. Mm -hmm. YouTube is a better platform for it. Yeah. They have added features that they did not add otherwise. Twitch, throughout all this debacle of competing for streaming space, has added the ability to pay people that aren't partnered. Now you can have a share in things. Like they're, they're changing the game. So like Mixer is good for everybody, but these exclusive deals often get phrased as like anti-consumer, right? Like, like Ninja mm. should be able to do whatever he wants. Well, beyond that though, like you talk about <clears throat> anti-consumer and that, that kind of gets into the concept of exclusives and uh, cross-play. Mm -hmm. Because outside of the content streaming wars, it's really comes down to the games. That's something we say is the game. If the game is good, it doesn't matter who's boycotting or who's upset. It's a good game. The majority of, of gamers outside of maybe that, that core, that connected group, they're just like, Oh, it's a good game. Cool. I'm going to go buy it. And then you go right. look at record sales numbers. However, stadia, obviously not having the strongest launch um, is coming out, coming into this, you know, and it's like, gosh, like just, why don't you just launch into beta like why don't people just launch into beta is there's got to be some legal or either i hope there's a legal reason otherwise the re the reason is buffoonery it would be the term that i'm going to throw out there <laughs> um and, and it namely ties into the uh the news that they're they've got 120 games they're looking at timed exclusives for their mm -hmm. platform and i mm -hmm. and i can get behind i can understand the business aspect of a time exclusive my concern is buying IP that people want to play and then locking it away on your system. So I have, you know, I, I've been an advocate for Halo coming to PlayStation. When you look at Call of Duty being the number one selling game year over year, that's a third party game. If you want more rel uh, relevance for your IP, like Minecraft, I think that's when you need to start breaking it out beyond the walls of these ecosystems. And I think, again, as a function of time, we're going to see that in the next... I would say 15 years. Like I'm going to put a plenty of time on that one because yeah. I get the reason of why you want to drive uh, sales. And that's why I think we'll see more things go into the mindset of a timed exclusive rather than the uh, locking away behind any, like you, if you want to play X, you have to own uh, outside of Nintendo. Nintendo's still going to do their thing. I don't see them changing the way they run their business. Um, but what are your thoughts there? Because so you, it, you touched on a couple things. Yeah. So first of all, you said that that Stadia could have had a smoother launch and should be an open beta. And they've talked about they talked about in their original thing, hey, this is going to be the paid version. There's going to be a free version. So yeah. when you see headlines like they've caved and gone free to play. That was literally in their original business. They plan. need to go free to play quicker. Like they yes, they <laughs> they have that has always been the plan is that they were going to bring this to users, just like YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. There's gonna be there's gonna be an ability to toss them money, but what they really want is your eyeballs. So let's get all the eyeballs, and then if we can collect money on top, that's great. 
the, the fact that there aren't more users, I think is probably a little bit by design. Um, I would give them that, I would give them that benefit of the doubt because I think they don't want to have the servers crash from overabundance. I think they, I think they literally just needed a little data and the amount of money they get from users is not, is a drop in the bucket compared to what they spent. Yeah. So like, it's not an issue of like, oh, if we doubled our users, we would have made back the cost of Stadia. No, 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 no. The amount they spent, there's no number of users they could have right now that's going to make a dent in that. Yeah. So like the money isn't the issue. So if you have somebody that doesn't want money, the question is what's motivating them. And so they, they've decided how much data they want to collect and that's how many users they've scaled for. Now, maybe they've hit their targets. Maybe they're below their targets. Maybe they're above their targets. We don't know because they're super private. They didn't, they didn't tell us we're targeting this many users and this is how many we have. Mm. They don't release that. Um, but it would be interesting to see kind of, it would be interesting to be in those meetings with, to see if they think Stadia is being successful. Cause I don't think Stadia is built for now. I think it's built to take on Xbox's version, PlayStation's version. So it's built for later. Yeah. And it has to be somewhat public so that they have testers. Um, and so I think everything they're doing right now is all intentional. I think it's a giant chess game. And that does not mean that their long-term goal will be successful. Right. right? We've seen plenty of things fail coming out of companies that size. So um, what about them like potentially buying exclusives, you know, saying, Hey, you like, Oh, you like this game that you could have always played on X platform. It's you got to come to stadia now. Yeah. So, so there's, there's two different ways to do exclusives. The first is, and we've seen stadia do this um, where they go approach a studio who doesn't have the money mm -hmm. and they bring us a game that as consumers, we would not have gotten otherwise. And they say, but in trade for that, it needs to be exclusive for this amount of time or forever. Or like in Nintendo's cases with things like the Wii, we want you to build a game that it's inherently exclusive because it only runs on this style of hardware. So inherently you build something that runs yeah. uniquely on Stadia, there isn't another platform out there like Stadia at that scale right now that, that can allow you to throw infinite graphics cards at a server in mm -hmm. real time uh, for an unlimited number of users. Like if you build a game that takes advantage of that and, and that is baked into your game design, that game can't leave. But like the those exclusives, I think, will never bother me because you're literally giving the consumer something they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, that's awesome, right? Because that's what we want as consumers. We want more games. Now, where people start to have an issue is when you do something like Epic, where they go out and they just purchase things. Mm -hmm. So you go out and you just go. To, so so imagine Stadia had been involved in that deal and the next Call of Duty was releasing exclusively on Stadia. Right. There's an amount of money that would have made that happen. Now, considering Activision talks in billions, that number is probably very, very large. Yeah. There is a number. It just probably has more digits than any of us know how to write. And and so is that a problem? Is that anti-consumer? Um, in the short term, I can see how why it feels yes. And I know that you're often arguing yes. So I'm going to focus on why it's not. Okay. And the reason it's not is, is things like Steam. Steam is a huge platform that is far from perfect. If we make all games run on all platforms, what makes Steam get better? I mean, in my opinion, nothing. There's no competition. And how do you take on Steam if you're like, well, I have all the same games they have, but I'm different. Who cares? Like Steam's immensely successful. Mm -hmm. So if you want Steam to improve as a platform, you have to make other platforms relevant. And exclusives is one of the tools to do that. Exclusives is one of the tools that, that makes people go try out 
epic. So it's, Halo it, made yeah. me try out Xbox, and Xbox Live is a wonderful experience. And now I I love Xbox Live, even though I grew up as a PlayStation player. So you're saying as a as an invitation into the platform, but that could easily just be handled as a as a timed exclusive. Saying that it, it can never come to Steam or Xbox, and we're gonna we're gonna pay that money. It doesn't sit right. I think that's I think could that you know like and that's what I'm saying. Like I can understand the business logic behind time but the locking away of something and saying this is you can only like okay you can't bring your toys into my sandbox and you can't take our toys out uh i think is especially as it relates to multiplayer games uh, as a single player game experience like you know you can have that experience you can enjoy that experience you can move on but when it comes down to it like that's where uh stadia and uh, its biggest weakness right now is in its uh, in its inability to play with others as it relates, especially to multiplayer games. Just to, uh, case in point, Division Two, uh, it's coming to Stadia. They kind of announced their latest expansion last uh, just yesterday for three dollars. Right now, you can pick it up if you're in the United States uh, if you want just the base game on Xbox. And I was like, well, all right, buy <laughs> for three bucks. I'll try. You know, I'll try it out. I like the Division One, but I'm still like I watched that event going say something about cross save say something about cross play because then you see the stadia logo you know that's coming like as a part of the platforms are coming to and it's like why would anybody want to go be isolated in that sandbox and not be able to connect and play with other people and i know you fall differently because you feel like there's a con like there's a value in the console itself uh you know kind of that everybody's on the same you know same playing field um but i i, I find it completely different i find that um, that that aspect, especially if a game like Borderlands Three is a great example. Epic came in, mm-hmm. said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna buy it, and it can't come to Steam until uh, until April. I think that's when it's happening." Right. So, um, you know, a you were looking for that game on PC, the rug got pulled out from under you. There, okay, maybe you went and you went and got the game, but are are you more like is that a is that a good long term business strategy in which that. As a player, I'm sitting here going like, yay for Epic, for leveling up the field. Or am I, as a gamer, just wanting to play with my friends, just wanting to have the experience that, you know, that is a pro gamer experience? Because I think that the best way forward is that uh, as as gamers, we, we will reward those who um, have that programming experience. Did... So the question is, did we get something better as a gamer, right? So so there was a bidding war over Borderlands, I assume. I assume Steam offered a number. I don't know. Yeah, wasn't you, high. I hope now, so. Their number may have been a factor lower. They may have said, I'll give you lunch. Yeah. Like like they, they may have said, we're not, we're not in the business of buying games. But I don't think that's the case. I think there was probably a back and forth from at least two parties. There could have been others at least approached. They could have said, Stadia, do you want to put a bid in? Like they, they could have offered it to anybody that they thought would cash a check big enough. Would that check increase the quality of development of Borderlands or would it simply go to shareholders and things like that? Mm. If it would increase the quality of Borderlands, then ultimately in trade for us not having access for a certain amount of time, we would get a theoretically better game, right? Because we would have more resources thrown at it. Mm-hmm. We can't do this with hindsight where we can go back and see whether or not we got a better game. You have to just assume like moving forward, should this practice continue? And I, I think there is a value to that. Um, the, the key to buying time versus something like Halo that's not timed, where it stays within that you know, Microsoft place forever, is that the problem with timed is that it, it's, a really, it's a really hard thing to negotiate as an invitation. Um, if I say, hey, you should come over, but if you don't, you'll get the exact same thing if you just stay at home 
for this amount of time. You're like, well, then I'll just stay here. So like you have to buy enough time that it forces that invitation. And then as a gamer, we win when you go over to Epic and you have a really nice experience. So you go over there and every day you're playing Borderlands and every day you're logging in, you have this wonderful launcher. You've got friends coming over there. They have some built-in features that you really like. It exposes you to games you hadn't heard of because the little banners pop across that. You end up picking one of those up on sale. You really enjoy it. You get a ton of value out of it. That's a success story. I don't know if that's what's happening. If it's not, then that's a loss, but exclusives are what allows that to be a potential outcome. Without mm -hmm. exclusives, what forces you to leave the comfort of the platform you're already on? Better if service, you better product. 200 Steam games, yeah. and the next game comes out on Steam, would right. you even go download the Epic Launcher? It, it shouldn't be about, like, it should be about giving the players the option to play where they want to play rather than forcing them to have to play in your sandbox at the end of the day. And and what then competes is it on this exclusive. The exclusive in my mind is is it's the understandable win because it's about content, right? Mm -hmm. Certain shows are on Disney Plus, they're on Netflix, right? That's the the way of it. I'm advocating for a better way and essentially where you would go play in Epic and the Epic launcher because it's the best place for you to play. It gives you the best experience it handles everything better. Uh, and that's where, like, when we take it out of from the Epic place, like on Stadia, why do, why would I, do I like playing on Stadia? Well, if it had more games, I'd spend more time on it, you know, more games that I want to play. Now, like, their library is, is, is seriously like a F-minus right now. Um, but let's say it like, had the, the games I wanted to play. It's faster. I can play it on any uh, any device, anything that... that almost projects light <laughs> in this case. Uh, I'm still waiting for it like on the phone, but ultimately it gives me such a, an ability to jump in uh, and play for whether a little bit of time or a long period of time and then get out. And it's such a, uh, a really positive experience. And I'm speaking to myself as a, as a parent in which that maybe I've got 10 minutes, maybe I've got three hours. Like it's like that, that's never going to, and it's never going to be the same thing that you can set a clock to because Maybe the kids aren't going to go to bed. Maybe they are. Um, but regardless, I can pick up, I can jump in, I can pause, and I can, you know, I can do what I need to do. And that speed is the utmost importance. So all of a sudden, from the Stadia perspective, like you take that to xCloud. Imagine if xCloud is just as fast. I'm not going to be booting up my Xbox One X and loading and having to download updates to games. Like, I did that. I went and was like, all right, I'm going to just log in and play Forza. And 30 minutes later, I was like, all right, time to get the kids in the car, and I'm glad it's updated. And I'm like, okay, like, that's right. why, while it was updating, I went and I was like, fine, just boot up this, and went and played on Stadia, and then it was finally updated, and then later that day, I came in and played my game, and played, right. you know, that, and, and it's, you know, as petty as that seems, because it feels petty from my perspective, like, that is a, the test of the next generation for me. It's not about the exclusives. And that's why, again, I mean, it makes sense because I have all platforms. I've always been blessed as a as somebody who's passionate about gaming and having a wife that supports the hobby to say, yes, go out and get that Switch and that PlayStation right. and that Xbox. So I'm, I've never been cut off from the games, but I find myself, especially as it relates to multiplayer games specifically, then all of a sudden you're finding like I'm, we're playing the same dead gum game, but we're all in these separate sandboxes. Let's just let's just get together. Like, let's just communicate. And we've seen already progress in that area. And beyond the, the time business make, make sense of it. If it's a multiplayer game, it, in my mind, at a minimum cross save, it's got at a minimum, I should be able to take my file to any platform. And that's pro developer and pro gamer. 
and you're like, we're, you know, screw the platform holder. You know, it's their job to keep me on the platform by offering the best service, the best product, the best way to play. That's their Which job. Which is why they buy exclusives, right? Why That's they buy. part of that. It's, yeah. it's why they buy exclusives. It's a momentum generator. If you go out to Twitch and there's mm-hmm. no content creators and there's no other viewers, it's not exciting to be there. Right. So they pay people like Lyric to stay on their platform because it's exciting to see a channel with 17,000 people watching at once. Exactly. They and, pay that. They pay for that. Right. And, uh, and beyond that piece of it, when we talk about the, the streaming aspect, the content creation aspect, the communal aspect, that is where the momentum lies. It gives better life, better strength to the games it, that helps the developer out. That helps the person, the people who are actually making the game possible out because all of us in that community can have a longer life. Take Destiny 2, for example. Cross Save really helps out a lot. Uh, I'm able to play with some of our friends yeah. on PC. I'm able to, to log into Xbox and I'm able to play on Stadia and it's still my character. Uh, Final Fantasy 14 is another fantastic example of this. Uh, you want to play on PlayStation. Oh, you got a new gaming PC. All your progress carries forward when the game launches later, hopefully this year on Xbox. Hey, pick up and, and you know, and go and have fun. And that's, I think that ends up being something that, you know, who cares where you're on. It, if a game is not platform exclusive, cross save seems like a pretty, a, a pretty softball answer to what you can do to benefit the players. Um, especially mm-hmm. if you, as a developer, or somebody like Final Fantasy, where you charge me for every copy I buy. Yeah. So the fact that I own a Microsoft copy, a Mac copy, and a PlayStation copy is just a win for them. And if they if they release the Xbox copy before the next expansion, I'll buy that too. Like, and I'll own, I'll own four copies of Final Fantasy. Right. And, you know, we've gotten to the point where we're, we're really lucky with the YouTube channel that one of our Final Fantasy copies was given by a community member and one of our Final Fantasy copies was given by Square Enix. But if, they, if those weren't the case, I was buying those things before we had a YouTube channel. So I would have still bought them. Yeah. Um, maybe not at the pace I bought them. I had them all relatively quickly. But I would have eventually... <laughs> caved yeah. and said oh i want this thing this is mine uh, now this is mine now and i, I love having all those so uh, the cross play is where i differ a little bit yeah. so i think with games like Explain mmos it. yeah i think with games like mmos things like temtem um anything where something is not twitch reaction based and so i know people feel like pvp and stuff is really timing based in mmos but i will point out there is still a global cooldown so a global cooldown inherently is there for lag whether that lag be caused by input lag or having lack of the perfect controller or caused by your latency itself it's already there to level the playing field so the fact that the global cooldowns built in i would say makes it almost turn-based in a way the turns are just happening very very quickly mm-hmm. uh so games like that i have no issue but when you start to talk about games where fractions of a second matter and there is no there is no global cooldown there is nothing there to offset for latency yeah so that's some sports games, that's many racing games. Action that's shooters. Most, that's most shooters mm-hmm. um, where that it, it just comes down to that. Things like Call of Duty where a fraction of a second can be the difference between a double kill and being dead. Like it is that fast of a game. There is a reason that the competitions for those games take place on the same hardware in the same room. Mm-hmm. You remove as many things that could be an advantage to one as possible um and that's not just to show off how many pcs they can set up they would let people bring their own they don't they're they're fixed in many competitions it's all provided and and i think that as a casual gamer that hops into ranked play 
I think that ranked play in shooters, controller players should be allowed to play with just controller players. And the, the counter argument to that is typically, well, maybe you could just have a lobby for where there's both and a lobby for where there's just controller only. And the reason I don't like that is because then it becomes the majority voting. It is not the individual anymore that's protected. Okay. So when everybody starts playing in that lobby and then I have to wait two hours to find people that want right, to play everybody's over controller, here. then I'm effectively forced over there So can I just don't play. Can we then say from a, like just a, a consumer advocation perspective that for anything that is not PVP oriented that you then that is just a natural segment you know uh, segmentation of that uh, within the matchmaking system you know it's like okay and with the exception then being custom games where you as like we're creating custom games we're inviting those in and out like all right guys he's on keyboard and mouse like are we all cool with that yes or no like okay you're not affecting my queue time anyway if you're off playing in your own little sandbox you're already gone but when it comes to ranked play when it comes to to having that enough people that having a ranking system makes sense mm-hmm. and to knowing that within that ranking system I'm being given a fair shake, then I think in games where Twitch impulses matter, um, so that's, I, I think MOBAs even count in that, like that moment where it comes down to a fraction of a second in the replay, mm-hmm. um, it needs to be as similar as possible. And PC just has so many advantages everything from frame rate to refresh rate to more input to gaming mice to you know then you have all the risk of people who run cheap programs and things it is just a totally different ball game than this isolated self-sealed box that i receive in the mail from xbox yeah guaranteed to be as similar as possible um now as they start to support more generations that gets a little bit skewed now that somebody can be playing on an xbox one and a series x one yeah a series x what do you think about that we haven't sat down and talked about that because halo infinity launching on xbox one xbox series x obviously the premiere experience and when we talk about frame rate frame rate's where it's about i could give i could give two craps about resolution you gotta lock the frame rate yeah, and so do you lock it and thus weaken the power of Series X? What if yeah. the Series X is on cap frame rate or 120 frames, Xbox One X is 60? Do they nope. did they segment off of... You want to go play the single-player campaign, you can have literally the fastest frame rate your your display can support. You can have... You're literally bound by the refresh rate of your TV. Go nuts. You can have it in 5 million definition, whatever you want. But yeah. when you are in ranked PvP play... You've, you've got to hard cap it at whatever the lowest bar you choose to support is. So if they want to drop Xbox One support and go to Xbox One S, then then maybe you can up it, right? But you've got to cap it at that. And that's, that's one of the issues that Cyberpunk's having, right? Is that they wanted to support this wonderful experience across all these platforms. And then they built this thing in this, you know, and they're testing it on all these big fancy PCs and it's running great. And then they go fire it up on an Xbox and they're like, oh, we need to push back our release date. This is... This is not fun. what um what if it was something because uh, I know that like Activision and EA they, there were studies in which that when you get killed they show you like what you got killed by as a kind of a and so it's like you just got murdered by Brian on Series X upgrade mother Boop. yeah yeah that the, when you like nearly kill him it's like wow you're only one bullet away if only you'd been twenty frames a second faster yeah you would have totally won that. Would you like to order your Series X today? It's already in the um, mail. We've, I mean, we've that's charged exactly, your That's exactly my fear. Like, like that unfair advantage. Um, take making players feel like they have to. It's like no. If you buy a console, you should be guaranteed that that console driven experience. Yeah. 
That's the advantage of consoles. So how does this change as we move forward in the kind of obviously the era of cloud gaming? You know, everyone's like level by default. We're all on exactly the same hardware in the right. same server farm. Isn't that isn't that Cross the ideal? Isn't that the ideal though? Because sure. like we talked about the raising the tide for everybody. All of a sudden, everybody's my on a five thousand dollars. My PC. issues with advantages. My my issue is making sure everybody's on a level playing field. So if you're saying that in the future we're all going to be on unlimited hardware, then there are no advantages because we all have unlimited hardware. Mm -hmm. um, so at that point go nuts and there will be gamers who prefer you know one third party controller over another um but ultimately at that point you you basically your competitors are all going to gravitate towards whatever is deemed the best and then the stadia or whoever gets to determine here's the fastest an input can be received here's the latency we support and you are all not only on the same hardware but your game is taking place on the same server mm -hmm. um it 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 balances this, but until then, you have to protect. You have to protect the weakest consumer in the room, and the weakest consumer in the room is the old console. So, I mean, though, when you say that we're all in the same, we're talking about the the potential of Amazon getting in this uh, this race, X Cloud. So, the backbone and the technology between you know, Stadia, Amazon, X Cloud, while conceptually, it's yeah. like cloud streaming, technology, the behind the scenes. You could still run the risk of something being more powerful or, you know. That's like PC to PC. That's people pointing out that one PC has a better graphics card. They, people have already given up that protection when they play on PC games. Uh, I don't hear anybody advocating that a game should require that you only have up to a certain level graphics card or that you... Uh, maybe that argument's out there, but I haven't heard it. Well, so, I mean, from the competitive scene, like you said, like in tournaments, it's provided... Right. everybody's on this the everybody's got the same it, it would not shock me if developers that want hardcore tournaments if the call of duty tournament is the tournament of the future we'll see how they do um it would not shock me if if they choose to be supported on stadia and, and whatever all the other ones out there that exist at the time when stadia finally grows into a big boy um <laughs> when whenever that happens it would not shock me if developers were like, okay, cool. This is how we've designed it to run on your architecture. And this is the specs we want to hit. So just do whatever you guys need to do and tell us what we need to do to get it to run at exactly those specs. Right. Um, and, you know, so if, if Stadia is like, well, you can throw unlimited graphics cards at it. They're like, great, don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so they, they can ideally in that, in that world, they can actually be even more fair than PC to PC is right now, where you built the best PC five years ago. I built the best PC two years ago, and we're playing against somebody who just got the best PC today. That's already unfair in PC games like Counter-Strike, um, which is a highly competitive game that, that like, I'm sure Counter-Strike lobbies would love if they let Xbox players in, because they would just stomp on them. Yeah. Um, but there's already that complaint of, oh, well, this guy has a better rig than me. I think that I think that if anything, cloud gaming will level the playing field more than it's ever been leveled before. So back and and kind of our final thought as we uh, kind of wrap up uh, episode fifty five here, uh, let's talk a little bit about Nintendo in all of this. Sony's mm -hmm. already teamed up with Xbox with Microsoft in that regards uh, to a shock, you know, for many people in PlayStation who might not have seen this coming with their acquisition of Gaikai. I'm I'm hoping that we see with within PlayStation now more that game pass kind of games as a service kind of concept right but nintendo is the odd duck you know it took them forever to get on mobile um and then obviously the switch it's is still... selling Great. yeah they like... barely understand the ethernet so <laughs> <laughs> it's not even baked in to the dock which i'm like you gotta pay for it extra the uh but over in japan 
uh, the Switch has already got games that run on the cloud. You know, it's got it can run Resident Evil 7. It's got Fantasy Star Online 2. Uh, you know, I'm sure that we're going to see more and more games, uh, you know, that, that direction. And somebody was saying, like, 14 on the Switch. I go, yeah, if it's cloud-streamed, because sure. that doesn't limit it to the hardware console, you know. And right. my, my fear is not that, oh, you, they couldn't get Shadowbringers to run on the Switch. My fear is, what about 6.0 and 7.0? And, you know, it's like, at what point do you have to say, buy switch hardware you're holding us back uh if you weren't right. introducing limitations eventually and the right. game got better for it yeah and and that's where it's like honestly I, my like i was like i would love just to do crafting and gathering on my switch you know like i would love to kick back and just log into the switch and just you know craft and gather but then of course oh, then the awesome. temptation to raid would would boil up you know in <laughs> in my soul uh and so it comes down to this what does nintendo do They've got they've got plenty of money. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. They're sitting on the best IP. The Switch is still going to be a console. I honestly could see that, you know, I'm I would be surprised if we don't see Stadia, XCloud, those services running on Switch, and that uh, they're getting paid for that. Like <laughs> Microsoft's like, please let us put our uh, service on 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 your device. But what about them being in the cloud itself? I I could easily see them going the the route of PlayStation, in which that Microsoft says. Here's your custom, you know, Nintendo cloud environment uh, built, you know, because they've already teamed up with them on, on uh, you know, Xbox Live. That's right. that's something that we've seen already. And that's going to they said they're going to continue that relationship. So my thought is, is that Microsoft makes the most sense. However, I bet you just like a function of money, just like Epic, like you said, uh, in your example earlier. That there's Google and there's Amazon and there's numbers that have so many zeros you I, I would pass out if somebody said, here, <laughs> how right. much money does it take so to get, you there's, know? There's two directions they can go, yeah. and they're very, very well-funded. Um, so we'd have to be looking at the 10, the 20, the 30-year picture. Yeah. Because in the short term, they could literally stop selling all Nintendo games today, pay all their employees twice their salary, and just sit. Just hang out. Like, they, they, they just have such an incredible amount of things and then there would still be royalties coming in they're like i thought we shut that down it's like well sorry you can't shut it all down we're just too pervasive yeah like so they would they would get checks even if they stopped asking to receive them because they're just they're just that big and they're that well known for now now if they don't do a good job catering to the new audience as gaming has less and less space in your life as you're busier and busier if they choose not to capture your kids attention then that will wear off but once yeah. again we're looking at decades not years and it's what's allowed them to have things like the wii u where they can have what has by many been defined as a failure of a console generation and it really didn't have an impact on nintendo like not even a speed bump in their history like you just keep going mm -hmm. but they've never played by the rules so they've always they didn't build a console to compete with any any major console generation they didn't build a console to compete i mean the nintendo 64 and stuff was really the last time that i feel they were trying to be head to head with people and that's because they were really the only ones in the space when you started talking about xbox versus playstation xbox versus i guess ps2 at the time and then we had xbox 360 versus ps3 nintendo bowed out of that race very very quickly and looked to define new ways to play mm -hmm. they gave us the wii they've they've chosen to continue to support handheld very very well um they gave us the the switch They've really defined how we play, yeah. and they've always been atypical. So the two ways I'd see they could go is, first, they could partner up with somebody. So they could literally just have a sugar daddy come in and, and feed them all kinds of money and 
for a licensing gig and they yeah. could license it out just like you would license Seinfeld or anything like that to one of these streaming platforms. Welcome Some to the crazy Nintendo, amount of money you know. and Nintendo exists on Stadia for five years. Um, and then at the end of that five years, it just pieces out, especially if they build in that contract that there's cross save on like Nintendo servers. Yeah. It's like when we move, your save comes with you. Sorry, cancel well, your Stadia subscription. Oh, We're that now on be, xCloud. Right, but that would be such a powerful negotiation point, right? So let's say they that is, a, let's just in this theory that I, I guarantee you someone's mad at us for even suggesting it. Uh, this, this is option one. <laughs> that... With that, with the fact that your saves go with you, mm-hmm. that in, when that contract's coming up for renewal, Nintendo goes, how bad do you want us? Because all of that goes with you. Like you're, oh, continue everything. You own the game, like the, the ownership, all of that. You're now here. Like you can now just go to this. Just like we saw with Disney and, and Disney uh, and Netflix, right? Like, oh, and these are here now. You know, like, And they can fragment parts out, right? So they can have all their new games. They that's can have my concern. Classic arcade. Oh. They, can, they can fragment out. So, so stadia can own the rights to all the legacy games and, mm, yeah. and any I, I, new game can come out on xbox so and i'm can, perfectly fine like I've, I've advocated for that i was like from a third party perspective it's like yeah let nintendo make their hardware and their games on that why platform are, why, that I, why they know i'm gonna buy nintendo games not running on my phone well because they run on your switch now because because they want you know, on the nintendo online. not but all of them not all of them Maybe all of them Go but yeah imagine, imagine i know there's though. some licensing issues there and all that but <laughs> yes yeah. Oh my out. gosh! That, but um, I'm like with all the. I mean, they like again the most valuable IP, the most like you know like the catalog, the thing that defines gaming. Um, yeah. You know, for at least you know our generation. You know the you know the ne- the previous generation, probably the next. My kids right now, like the difference between them and and uh, and Stadia or XCloud is Temtem. Like if you know, as soon as Temtem's more more viable, that's something that we'll be playing more. Oh, um, because of put it on my switch oh yeah switch like whatever switch. put it on my switch put mm-hmm. it on my switch um so so this so the second option yeah the second option is is what phil spencer's hinting at that if they wanted to go out and do what he's already done they're already tens of billions of dollars behind and years behind and i don't see a company that has never wanted to follow the mainstream not only following the mainstream but playing catch-up yeah. They've always wanted to be on the cutting edge of their own dreams. And I don't see playing catch up and spending all their money or even a even a, a drop of their money right. trying to chase down what Microsoft has, especially since for them it only has an application of gaming. Stadia has huge implications outside of gaming. It could it could be used in the defense industry, it could be used in the medical industry, it could be used in I mean it has unlimited uses gaming is just what they are marketing it as but they did not spend that much money solely on the plan to recoup it off of a game library that just doesn't make sense to me so so (laughs) nintendo's not going to do that they're going to go they're going to go either ride on someone else's highway or over the next 20 30 50 years as as their culture slowly evolves out right as as humans age and retire they will stick to their guns and they will go the way of sega and they will eventually get to the point where they can't support their own hardware anymore, and then they will die out. Now that death will be hundreds of that that they could be hundreds of years. So by all sense of everything, to they will still be a successful company when you look back in the history books. But if they want to be around in the year twenty one hundred, they've it's not going to be hardware then. So like they've got to evolve, or they've they've got to realize okay we're just going to ride this thing out. Now it could be a beautiful glorious riding yeah. it out they could they could take 
30 years before people didn't think they were relevant. Yeah. And even then, there could still be enough of us wanting to sit around in retirement and play their games that they're still existing. They're just small. It's like, oh yeah, Nintendo, they just released that, they just released that handheld with the really big buttons and screens for old people. That'll be us buying those. Like, so like they're they're not gonna you know, dying doesn't have to be yeah. painful or, or a lack of, of dignity. They could be very graceful mm-hmm. and very long-winded about it. But I think if they don't move closer to cloud and internet, eventually the machine will push them out. See, I, I, I honestly think that from, because, you know, from people who want a physical product, that Nintendo will probably be the, the, the key and only player in the space. Sure. That um, makes sense. In you know twenty twenty five years thirty, I think that uh, when it's all said and done, we're gonna see the the shift being on like building your own like and this is like long this is you know like we're talking fifty years uh, yeah. you know I, like where like where it doesn't make sense to go and just buy an Xbox, you're just like I'm buying a PC, and it happens to you know if I want that local experience, you know you're it, it all just kind of like PC is the the end all be all of the console, you know, uh, future where, you know, uh, cloud is that essentially that where the console just evolves to and Nintendo being the duck, the odd duck in the room says, we're going to always manufacture this because we know there are gamers who want to buy that. And they're going to, and they're going to make that, that device that is also cloud enabled. So you can sit right. here like, cause the, the thing is, is that imagine you're like, I'm not going to be, you know, maybe there's a weird pocket or you're like, okay, internet, I'm not, I don't want to rely on this. I want to have a, like, okay, cool, play it on your, you know, Switch 10. Um, and if you're at home and you've got great internet, it's like, all right, we're going to team up with the cloud and, you know, boom, boom, boom. Um, Use it as a powerhouse. Exactly. Yeah. And then and a database. Exactly. And then otherwise it's like, okay, you just want to, you know, you want to disconnect, you want to shut off the internet, you know, um, <laughs> you know, that then you have that, um, that, that freedom. I see that there's always going to be, at least in the, uh, in the next and they 50 have a years, special that kind of place in the social aspect, right? So, like, they could be like board games where they come and go in surges. Uh-huh. So, there's years where people are like, ah, people just play video games now and watch TV. And then there's years where, like, it feels like everybody's talking about the next big board game. Right. And, like, board games and card games and, like, that that being there in that's something that the Switch does really well. Like, the fact that I've had strangers walk up to me in the airport and the fact that, like, you know, in some parts of the world, they, they like, in some big cities and stuff, you have meetups and you have these things. So, like, they could. There's, there's plenty of ways for them to become less relevant, mm-hmm. but remain really, really strong in the space that they choose to be in. Yeah. I will say from the collectability standpoint, they, you're absolutely right. They have something special about them. They're, this is just a disc. Fallout 3, remember when uh, remember when Bethesda was awesome? <laughs> um, so no. <laughs> I, I believe we can make Bethesda great again. Uh and Todd Howard, you're an entertaining guy, but like you're probably gonna have to step down for it to happen. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, yep. people to watch talk, seriously, like because you just you just don't know what he's gonna say next. It doesn't have to be based anything. The devs can be like, "Here's all the things we got." He goes, "Great, I'm just gonna riff." Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> hey guys, we got a whole new we got a whole new development backlog after uh, Todd Howard's latest interview. So good luck. I've I've had that. I've 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 been in that. I've He's I've a... been at I've been at work when people have run into my office and say, "So we've just committed to X, Y, and Z. How long is that going to take us?" And I go, "You said what again?" Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's going to be free. And it's you going to be great, guys. And so, you can yeah, and, like and this... you were asking me if I can have it to you by next week. 
All right, like, let me let me cancel everything we're doing. <laughs> it's just a disc. It's like, a license. That's all it is. It's, it's a license. It's just all a disc. It is. And there's, but there's something special about like even just holding a Nintendo product. Like there's something special. Like the cartridges. There's just something about this. I, I can't even you're, play I this you're anymore. Holding, I love that you're I holding Mario. Duck Hunt. I can't get Duck Hunt to run. I got this I on my disc. I don't have a cat Like I don't have a TV that supports Duck Hunt. I, still I love it. that you pulled up like Mario. I'm like, I've got a Mario Kart in Mario Super Mario Three. This game, this game means so much to me. I loved it. I bought the collector's edition of Zelda for Switch. Yeah. I don't buy collector's editions because, like you said, there is a special place. I don't even buy I, I don't even buy physical on my Xbox anymore. Mm-hmm. I buy everything digital because I never know. Oh well, they're gonna, you know, we're not gonna play that game much anymore, and right. then it's gonna get a DLC, and I'm gonna want to play it again. So I love the idea of storing it in the cloud for yeah. later. Yeah, absolutely. But with but with a Nintendo, it's like no, it's 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 got a special place in my heart. So I, I don't I don't think that I'm like I'm not saying that Nintendo's doomed, even if they choose to become irrelevant within the mainstream there's still a beautiful and cherished place for Nintendo in our lives as gamers. Yeah. That, But we're talking about such numbers that that cherished place is going to remain in the, what, 500 million of us at the most, 100 million of us, as opposed to Xbox, you know, with xCloud and Stadia, we're going to go and cater to billions. See, a successful I, Nintendo game will sell a couple million copies, and you'll be talking about billions of copies sold. I, yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of copies sold, but I have, I think, and that's going to bring more people and make them and bring them back into the core. Yeah. Why do we know so many gamers who we classify as gamers who don't own consoles and don't play with us. And it's like, I can't justify this cost for this thing that I'm only going to play once a week or less because I'm just busy. Well, I mean, wait a minute. Like what if that cost was nothing? And then it was a matter of like, you got that game on sale. And then if you can hop in and join and play with your friends and you know, it's like if that barrier is lowered, we're actually, uh, we're not just creating a, a, an onboarding for new gamers like my kids and the kids of the, you know of the future who are going to be the gamers of the future. We're also inviting back those who it just doesn't make sense, you know, and maybe their passion's there. But it's like when you just look at the numbers, it's like, you know, wait a minute. Like I can't go spend six hundred dollars to go join my friends when the hours are going to aren't going to, you know, I'm not going to get 60 hours. I'm not going to get 600 hours or, you know, whatever that cost justification is, they but all of us, the games, right? Well, right. I mean, yeah. And then all of a sudden you have these games as a service. It's like, all right, it'll be like Netflix, right? right. I subscribe to game pass and I pay $2 more and I now have two users instead of one. Yeah. So, so then when I want to play halo, Brian, you want to play halo? Yeah. Yeah. I don't own it. That's fine. Yeah. You got a phone. Yeah. Okay. Come over, borrow one of my controllers. We're good. You can play on your phone or your TV. You can log into my account. I have two copies of it. We'll be no, good. Nice. You can you can hop in this week. Yeah, and so hopefully I, I see that we're actually the gaming is expanding. More people will come into the core, uh, you know, mindset that's more passionate. That's hopefully more money. That means better games. Uh, now again, all of this can go to hell. There are companies that suck, uh, and we could all easily rattle those off and talk about like things that they do to to piss us off. But at the end of the day. Um, 
you know, they're he's done some good things in the last 12 days. Oh God. Months. Oh God. We just got, you know, <laughs> we just got canceled. Chris said something positive about EA. Uh, <laughs> cancel hash, hashtag experience. cancel Chris guys. Star Wars was a good experience. Buy the shirt guys. <laughs> hashtag cancel Chris. Hashtag cancel Chris. Uh, so Chris, uh, last time we had nerd slayer on the podcast. Uh, next we have heal me Harry coming up. Uh, and we're actually filming that later tonight, so that's gonna. I don't. Time know. is weird. Yeah, because time is weird. He's far. He's back in Australia, <laughs> so we're gonna be talking about the upcoming uh, excitement around the raids and more. So hopefully, you guys look forward to that podcast. Just like always, uh, we're gonna be doing more of these podcasts because we really like sitting down, having these long form discussions around gaming. If there's a discussion, if there's a topic you wanna you would like to see, be sure to let us know. Sound off in the comments below. You can always email us uh, at worktogamevideos at gmail.com. Uh, also subscribe to the channel uh, and check us out and also and our work go work to play yeah work to play <laughs> we're gonna plug it we're, plug, we're doing our oh, that's what i was about to get to we're gonna do okay. all our plugs at the end so that like if you've watched this uh, and listened to this all the way to the end uh please sound off with the with the with the phrase uh chicken pizza in the comments so i know that you <laughs> that you watched all the way to the end um so that we know we've plugged that to two people <laughs> the uh so and then also work to play for our live stream uh, content, which you can catch patch notes, live letters, gameplay, all of that. That way you're not going to get overly notified by our ridiculousness and our random schedule as it relates to games and live streams. So, um, Chris, any uh, anything you want to share before we wrap the podcast up? No, no, no. I'm I'm really looking forward to patch 5.2. I'm looking forward to talking to, with Harry about that this evening uh, for our next podcast. And uh, I'm having a blast with my WoW annual goals. So I was thinking about releasing a video talking about kind of where I'm at with my annual goals across all games. And I think the only game I'm on pace for is World of Warcraft. Nice. I think every other game got distracted by Temtem, which was not on my annual list. And I, I put... I don't know. I'm probably, I think I'm pushing 60 or 70 hours now. So very like nice. I have, I have really dumped some time into that game and I, I hope it's very successful. Well, uh, I'm, I'm seeing tweets that it's coming soon to Xbox, which would be really epic in my mind. So oh, as soon as we get dates, we'll let you know for work to game. My name is, my name is Brian. <laughs> my name is Chris. <laughs> Thanks so much for watching and tuning in and listening on wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Take care.